Hey, it's Stephen Henderson. Today on the podcast, we're going to meet the new director of urban agriculture, the first director of urban agriculture for the city of Detroit. Tapfira Rushton is someone who has worked for a long time in the food sovereignty and food activist community here in Detroit. Now she'll be part of city government, trying to make sure that Detroiters have access to fresh food and that we all know more about the sourcing of our food. Really great conversation with someone who is going to make big changes to the way we use land and think about food here in the city of Detroit. Tapira, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much. That was great. It's really great to have you uh, here in studio. I, I, I remember watching online the press conference uh, where you were announced as <laughs> as the director of urban ab- agriculture and and just kind of marveling at the the very idea that this was happening uh, this is not something we've done before as i said in the in the open but it's something that has so much potential i think to really change the way we think about food sourcing food access and land use here in the city. So before we get to your role as as the new director, I do want to talk about your place in these these organizations, local food growing and food access organizations, how you got into that and the work that you were doing already before the mayor came and tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, do that for city government. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I have been growing food in the city for uh, over 14 years. Um, I started out, I was on one of those blocks, Steve, that we talk about where you walk out the door and you see maybe 20 vacant lots. Mm. Some of them have halfway torn down buildings on there. Some of them are completely empty and the grass is growing and you're like, oh my God, I live next to this. (laughs) (laughs) And I was raising kids over there. Um, and so my kids were just like everybody else's kids riding their bike up and down the street. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, um, it's kind of scary. Um, so, you know, I began a campaign over there uh, to board up some of the vacant houses that we saw, clean up some of the lots. And one of the lots um, I decided to start a garden on. Uh, it was a great experience. This was maybe 2009, something like that. It was mm-hmm. a great experience just seeing how the neighbors um, came out and responded. And, you know, in some of those areas, it can be a little bit scary to get out and talk to people. You know, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know who is who. You know, you have all kind of elements in the neighborhood. Um and and so uh, it, it became a, a, a great place. Uh, I went around, uh, you know, talked to all the neighbors, saw what they wanted to see in the garden. And then I did a formal apprenticeship in farming uh, with the greening of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was eye opening <laughs> for me <laughs> because I, I, I kind of started this garden, but I didn't know exactly what I was doing. So. Uh, you know when they say started from the bottom? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. I was an apprentice. Yeah. 
I was an apprentice and uh, <laughs> I just kept going because I enjoyed it. And I really I'm in I'm in the food movement, not because I grew up with the green thumb necessarily. Um, I'm in the I'm in the food movement because I think that it is um, something that we need to remember how to do uh, grow food. We need to pass those skills on to our children and our grandchildren and that way of life. Mm-hmm. We're very separated from that right now, Steve. Uh, we're in these cities. We're very disconnected from where our food comes from, what it looks like when it's growing out of the ground. That's scary when you think about it, um, that within a couple generations of mm-hmm. us moving up here from down south, mm-hmm. right? Like we are, don't know where our food comes from. <laughs> right. and, and can't necessarily produce it ourselves. I mean, so many exactly. people don't think they can uh, source their own their their own food. Uh, what I love about that story is is number one. I think if I asked ten different Detroiters uh, to tell me, you know, about their neighborhoods and yeah. their experiences there, eight or nine of them would would say almost the same things that you did. Yeah. But the other thing that's true is they would tell me what they were doing about it as well. And that's such an important part of who we are as Detroiters. I think there's a a myth, really, that we have seen all of this change in the city and all of these things have just happened to us. Mm -hmm. There isn't an understanding that in so many cases we've stood up and said, well, all of this is changing and there's some things that we can't control but I'm going to go and find the thing that I can do yep. that I can control that puts, pushes things in a different direction. I mean, it's such a common part of, of who we are as Detroiters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, um, that's the beauty of the different organizations that I've uh, had the honor of working with. Um, Keep Growing Detroit is one that really connects um, gardeners from all over the city. So there's classes and places where you go pick up plants and you see other gardeners and you really get a sense of that leadership element that's mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, it's an honor and it's a beautiful thing to meet folks that are um, changing their environment. They like they don't like something right. <laughs> and they're doing it with their hands and with very little money. Um, yeah, it's it's an honor to see. And so, um, so yeah, that's a little bit of my journey. Yeah. Um, I then... Um, uh, I started doing land and policy work um, probably about six or seven years ago. Uh, we, you know, we had passed the um, the urban ag ordinance here in Detroit in 2013, and I remember kind of being on the the activist lines of like, you know, trying to push that through. There was some very strong supporters. Catherine Underwood with the City Planning Commission really led that charge. She's a gardener, and she um, she really led that charge. And um, I remember how important that was of a moment for the city to really recognize the work that had been happening in the neighborhoods of people doing the work of transforming their neighborhood when the city really could not and did not have the resources to do it. Mm -hmm. People stood up and were like, I'll mow the lawn. I'll create a, a public space for people. And when the city began to recognize that through that, that was like a point where the, for me, it was like, the city recognized that as a as a um, as a viable land use, something that we need to uh, support and codify. Um, and so that started my journey. Um, and uh, then people, so at that point, people were kind of just going out on these lots and just farming or gardening mm-hmm. and creating these beautiful spaces. 
there were a couple instances in the city where people went out and gardened and then maybe a developer came and purchased it from under them. <laughs> um, <laughs> there were a couple instances that were really sad. And I remember being really mad about it. Myself, um, I had a developer get first right of refusal over that garden that I told you. The um, one that you started. Mm-hmm. I never went through the formal, like I leased it a couple years and then I, I never went through the formal, I didn't even think that like ownership was a, you know, a, a path for me. Mm. <laughs> uh, it, it didn't really occur to me that I could like own that property. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then I found out that a company had first right of refusal um, over the property that I had been maintaining, right? <laughs> and that's like a really bad feeling, right? Because sure. you're out there um, cleaning it up, doing the best that you can, and um, someone else has the right to purchase it before you do. And and so I began to like think about like how do we purchase land in the city? We have a lot of it, mm-hmm. but it's like kind of tied up in these different entities. Uh, then the land bank came and really that that helped in that it it got everything under one <laughs> umbrella, right? Yeah, it's all in one place. It's all in one place. And now we have like one process, but to purchase it for farming was difficult. <laughs> and some of that was intentional. Yeah. Um, and and um, now that I'm on this side, I'm seeing where like, um, I actually had a conversation with with the mayor and he's like, um, you know, I kind of made it hard on purpose because I was afraid that people were gonna come into the city and just purchase up swaths of land. And it was like, it was like an epiphany because I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what he was thinking. (laughs) Yeah, I was up here struggling and fighting to get people the land. Um, You know, so there had to be some things put in place to safeguard against bad actors, I would say. Not to say that all of them didn't make it through. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. But, uh, yeah, so I've been working on people on the process to actually get their land purchased for a long time. And then um, had this epiphany as I was going through that, that it was that was harder for legacy Detroiters, for black and brown growers to purchase land in the city mm-hmm. for all the reasons. Maybe they didn't have a lawyer. Maybe they didn't have enough capital. Maybe they just had that inherent feeling that I can't own this. Um, and I noticed this disparity where um, black and brown growers were not um, purchasing at the same rate or getting through the system at the same rate that white growers were. And that, you know, that's not a knock. That's just something I noticed systemically. It's just the way things work, right? <laughs> yeah. In a society that has as much systemic inequality as we have, then, you know, any you, you have to apply that lens to any process, right? Absolutely. It, it affects everything. Absolutely. So I um, had this uh, idea of starting the Detroit Black Farmer Land Fund. I didn't, that wasn't what it was called. I thought it was, was going to be a fish fry and we were going to raise the money like a rent party back in the day. <laughs> and we were going to raise money for some of my farmer friends to actually purchase the land that they were growing on. Right. It's like, OK, cool. Let's do a GoFundMe. I'll get some other organizations involved. So we got the Detroit Black Food Security Network um, involved and Oakland Ave. And we all sat down and said, yes, let's do this. We set up a GoFundMe page. We're like, we're going to make $5,000 and purchase some land. And we ended up purchasing, we ended up um, raising $60,000 that first year. Mm. So instead of like two or three growers, we were able to support 30 growers that first year. Mm. Um, And since then um, we have given 
um, 170 awards for land and infrastructure, and we've gotten about 56 people through the land purchase process. Um, so that that's another big thing uh, that I've been involved with prior to me coming to the city. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Tafira Rushton, who is the city's new director of urban agriculture. We also want to get going with you, listeners. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. about the idea of food sovereignty here in the city of Detroit, land use, and the way in which all of the changes that have happened here in the last 50 or 60 years really affect those issues. Those are the things that Tafira will be dealing with at the city of Detroit. We, of course, want to hear from you as well. Give us a call. Let us know what your experience has been with land in Detroit, with growing on the land in Detroit. Are you someone who bought a lot next door to your house and have turned it into a small garden or farm? Are you involved in one of the organizations in the city that is trying to grow food on a larger scale? And what do you make of this idea of people being a little closer to the sourcing of their food, knowing more about where it comes from, maybe having more of a hand in where it comes from. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phone. So that's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the show that way. Before we get to our listeners, Tafir, I want to have you talk about this new job, uh, Director of Urban Agriculture. Uh, what will the scope of your work look like in, in that job? And I guess what do you hope you will be able to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I am um, hoping <laughs> to uh, uh, start to uh, streamline some of the processes that make it difficult to purchase land in the city. Um, I think that um, right now the city sees gardening kind of as a developer, right? Mm -hmm. And um, there's... Um, that the so, city treats people who want to garden the same way they treat developers yes that's interesting um and so um but as a as a gardener or a farmer you you don't know all the paperwork you got to fill out you don't know you got to go to this department this department um so right now i want to right now there's like a band-aid that needs to happen of just supporting those people uh connecting them with the right departments um but Structurally, um, there's some things I would like to look at in terms of how we can streamline that and make it easier because that onus shouldn't necessarily be on those people that are doing all that great work in the city. That onus should be on on the city to make sure that that process is super easy for folks because they're taking on a big chunk of work. Mm -hmm. um, so let's make sure that they have land security. Let's make sure that process is easy. Let's make sure that all of the things they need to do, the ordinances they need to follow, the permits they need to get, all of those things um, are very super clear. Um, and and how much in your, in your mind does the work have to do with food and food access versus land and land use. And I, and, and I don't mean to, to say or suggest that they're not related, but I do think that they're different questions and they call on 
different challenges, I guess, that 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 we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk just a little about the, 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 the differences there? Yeah. Well, you know, urban ag is one of those things that touch, touches on a lot of different um, points. Uh, so, of, of course, there's the healthy food. We're growing food. <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're eating more food. We have more access to food in our communities, right? Um, but then there's also um, taking up vacant space. So I, I mentioned I was in this neighborhood where I saw all this vacancy and I wanted to do something with it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's also addressing blight and 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 utilizing land in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just the act of getting outdoors and being in the sun and being in the sun and in, in the in the air and all of that and the elements. Um, also, I want to also mention something that's not really talked about um, in the city is that uh, gardeners are really on the front line for re. Um, rehabilitating soil. So adding that compost, caring for the land, adding native plants and flowers and things that are attracting more pollinators. Um, As we're thinking about what we do with this land, you Mm -hmm. mentioned in the beginning of this show, we have so much land. (laughs) We have so much land. We just started to, as a city, we grew out, out, out. Um, and, and and so what do we what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. Don't what do we do with this? So it is the issue is both for me. Uh, it's that we it's that we have that excess, but also that we are um, rethinking as a city how we how we use our spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter, hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, work you into the conversation. Let's start today with Tracy in Detroit. Tracy, welcome to the show. Good morning. Congratulations Hi. to the new director. Thank you. My comment um, is about water. I have been volunteering at a, um, a farm here on the west side, and we have this issue of bringing in water, um, having to bring it in. It's just very heavy. It's cumbersome. Um, it is just a real tough task. And I've also seen this issue on side lots that we're trying to turn into gardens um, in some of our, our, our neighborhood. Um, some of the homes on either side of the lot will be uh, just abandoned, blighted property. So we couldn't even get water from either of our neighbors if they wanted to participate hmm. to, 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 you know, to water the these plants and things. So I wanted to see if there is, I don't know, a, a way to sort of formalize how we would go about applying for a grant to build in water or what's the best way to approach the city about sort of adding some infrastructure so that we could have water and make it easier to sort of do the work that we're doing. Yeah, Tracy, it's a great question. Before I turn it back to the new director to answer, can you tell me just a little more about the project that you're working on? Where is it and, and what does it entail? Yep. So it's actually something that I was volunteering with some family. They started doing, they had a sort of a a plot on uh, 96 and Warren area, just some local gardeners. Um, She invited me, my aunt, she invited me to come and and help work her part of this plot. And I did. And we were growing tomatoes Mm. and cucumbers Mm. and peppers and things that I, in my 30 years of being in Detroit, I've never seen a farm like that. I'm Mm. from the west side of Detroit. Mm. I'm living north in Davidson. Never been on a farm at that scale, so close to home. I didn't have to leave the city to have that experience. Um, and now that I'm a homeowner and there are side lots in my neighborhood and some of the neighbors are really interested in that and there are children here, I really want to bring that experience so they don't have to get in a car sure. and go to it and experience it. They yeah. can experience it 
very close to home in their in their neighborhoods. Yeah, Tracy, that's, in their neighborhood. That's that's a great that's a great uh, that's a great story. Uh, Tafira, what's the question about water? Uh, water is its own issue in the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Access to water, clean water. We still have uh, this terrible policy of of shutting people off when they don't. Uh, have the money to pay for water, but but with a farm, it raises different questions. You need a lot more water than uh, you would just for a house. Yeah, thank you, Tracy. Thanks for the question, um, and thanks for all the work you're doing over on on the west side. Um, um, you know, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, and um, one of the things, uh, one of the people that I first met with was uh, Director uh, Gary Brown over at the Water Department. And I was like, hey, we need to increase um, water access for, for farmers. Um, so he asked me for a proposal. Uh, one of the things I'm proposing is that we um, are able to meter hydrants. Um, I think there's a number of cities who have already paved the way in doing that. Um, New York has a policy. Philly has a policy. Um, I would love to figure that out with the water department. Um, there's a couple of barriers in our way. Of course, if somebody uh, gets in there and, and does something wrong to the hydrant, you can make a lot of, you can do a lot of damage. And so that was a, a low hanging barrier that I thought, um, but I thought that, you know, uh, everybody has a hydrant nearby, mm-hmm. we could meter it, we'll pay for it. Um, you know, if we could figure out the mechanism to do that, I think that would be a game changer for a lot of farms. Um, the other option is to uh, tap into the city water lines. Um, that is expensive, and sometimes you can't even find the water lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did ask them if we could if support gardeners with finding those lines a little bit better, if they are able to procure a grant or something for that. That can be upwards of around eight to $10,000 to do that. Yeah. Um, so that's not ideal, um, but... It is if if you're able to get a small grant to do that, that is an option. Um, and um, I would love to if you are having any issues uh, with that, I can talk to you further about that. You can send me an email. Um, another option is, of course, rain catchment. That's not going to do it for your entire garden. Right. But hopefully you have some rain catchment set up. And I thought maybe we could work out a plan and maybe I'm going to shoot a um you know, <laughs> a shout out <laughs> to our fire departments. Yeah. Maybe, you know, some people have arrangements with our lovely fire department that um, in their local area where the fire uh, guys come by and they fill up those uh, water catchment systems for people. Mm. What if we could formalize that? Sometimes people do it and they just do it kind of off the cuff because you have found a nice fire, fire <laughs> <laughs> local fire uh, company do that. But um, but if we could formalize that, even have gardeners pay for it, um, I think it would be a lovely service. So that is um, something I'm that is on my priority uh, list, Tracy, and I appreciate you bringing it up. There are some awesome some activists um, in the city that are have formed a water consortium, um, Sierra Club, Sanctuary Farms, um, MSU have gotten together to really think this issue through. So I can also connect you with them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tracy, uh, really appreciate the call and the question and uh, good luck with uh, with the project in in your neighborhood. Uh, let's go next to David in Detroit. David, what's on your mind? Hi there. Hey. Uh, just w- Hi there, Kira. Uh, congratulations! It's a great uh, thing that the city has gone to bring you on, and I know of the great work you've done at Keep Growing Detroit, so that's awesome. 
Um, I also wanted to just touch on the process. I have nine lots um, on the east side of Detroit, and my goal wasn't so much food as it was a flight abatement. This is a street that backed up to a cemetery that I care for. Hmm. And for years and years, it was a dumping ground because there were no residents. It's a short street. And uh, creating a garden, a flower garden, it's nine lots and sunflowers and dahlias and zinnias and all kinds of other stuff has not only uh, stopped the, the dumping, but it's attracted residents and people who work in the neighborhood who come by and enjoy it. Some people take their lunch at the garden. I give away all of the flowers and a little bit of produce that I grow. Um, but people come by and are interested in how to acquire the land. And having gone through the process with the land bank, I, it is it is quite onerous. And I'm glad to hear, Sapira, that you're going to be addressing that process. And um, I, I also have volunteered uh, to the land bank that I would love to be a resource to people who are trying to apply and purchase lots. And um, perhaps that's something that could happen too, is that existing gardeners and farmers can can sort of be peer, peer, peer guides as, uh, as folks yeah. uh, apply for, uh, for land. Yeah. Uh, David, I really appreciate the, the call and the, and the, 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 the information, again, it's amazing when you talk to people in the city about what they're doing, what they're doing. You, I wouldn't know about this project if you hadn't if you hadn't called in. And that's that's kind of the nature of things here in Detroit. There are so many people doing really interesting and important things uh, right where they live or work to try to, to try to manage the the excess of land and and the creep of blight into into our lives but Tavira, I'll give you a chance to uh, respond to David as well mm -hmm. David thank you um uh, hopefully maybe I can figure out a way to get you my email and uh, or if you if you know it please shoot me an email um I would love to do that I'm actually um uh, doing that as on some capacity of like this this idea of like peer mentorship around the, the land process. Um, so I'm I've, I'm doing that on a on a small scale, and I would love to um, talk that idea through with you. Thank you for all of your work over there. You're yeah. you're like <laughs> you're addressing blight, and you're like bringing all of the the good pollinators to the area, and you're and you're making a beautiful um, place for for folks. So I mean. Thank you for that work. Yeah. And, and nine lots. I mean, that's a that's not a small, it's not a small uh, amount of uh, land to have to, to have to keep after. Yeah. 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 Do you want to talk to Dave about his issues and what, 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 what is the holdup? I'm sure. just curious. Yeah, David, uh, can you tell us more about what's holding that? Oh. Up? Um, do you mean holding up the land acquisition process? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, it, I think it's just um, it's just a bit of an onerous process uh, for someone who maybe hasn't dealt with bureaucracies in the past. There are so many steps and hurdles, and I found that um, I, I had the time to be per, be persistent and persevere through the process. But if you have a full time job and this is a side project, and you're not used to dealing with with you know pretty heavy duty bureaucracy, it can be a lot. And um, I think that that's sort of the process. In addition, the land that I acquired was in something called a city cooperation zone. Mm -hmm. And at the last minute, um, 
before we were going to do the deal, I was told, oh, you can't purchase that land. It's in a city cooperation zone. I was able to get in touch with my councilman, Scott Benson, and he intervened. And um, But, but it, these are things that just, it took a long time mm-hmm. and, um, and it doesn't need to. And um, mm. anyway, so, so yeah. that, that sort of was, was the issue. It was, it was doable and I don't want to be disrespectful to the land bank. They're doing great work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, but I think there's a way to streamline things yeah. and, and provide more access to people. One other thing I wanted to mention, Stephen, that is unrelated to blight abatement or food, and that is building bridges. Uh, what I found for myself personally is that this garden has allowed me to meet people that I mm-hmm. never would have met before. And it, and it has brought people together. I formed a garden block club <laughs> and that was part of um, getting a grant from the city, uh, the neighborhood beautification grant. Wow. And uh, it, it, um, it requested that you have a, or demanded that you have a block club. So I formed one, even though I don't have any other residents on the block, <laughs> um, but it was just people, it was, it was people that I brought together who, who were friends of the garden and, um, wow. But not only the Black Club, it's just people who come by and just say, thank you for doing this, and this is so beautiful. And um, and just sharing in that with, with people has been such a joy for me and, yeah. and really um, just just a tremendous bridge builder. Yeah, David, that's a great testament to the idea of gardening as community and, and taking care of our neighborhoods as uh, an exercising community. But, but Tafira, the, the, the difficulty they're having is what you were talking about earlier, yeah. which is that if you're not, um, if you're not used to dealing with government agencies to try to buy land or, 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 or get things done, it, it can be an, an intimidating process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. David, again, really appreciate the call and the comments. Uh, let's go next to Gloria in Detroit. Gloria, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Uh, okay, uh, congratulations. Thank uh, you so much. I, I, I would um, need you to spare your name. Okay. Me, so <laughs> but um, quite a few years ago, our community was thinking about growing vegetables in um, the vacant lots and we had the, I think it was the Environmental Protection Agency. I'm not sure but it was one of the federal agencies and they were uh, at the meeting and they were telling us that a lot of the lots which in my area uh, they tore down the houses but they just covered them up. Mm. And so a lot of the lead and asbestos is still in the ground. And the soil was not good to grow yeah. uh, vegetables. Yeah. So you have to make sure you have uh, you get the soil checked and just not go out there and start growing. Yeah, uh, Gloria, I'm glad you called and and brought that up because it is, you know, in a city that was as industrial as Detroit was, and the city that had as much housing as Detroit had uh, old housing, as we take all of that apart, there is that, that risk of, of contaminating uh, the soil so that you can't really safely grow. Tafira, talk about how people can know that, uh, that it's safe and what they, what they can do and how the city can help. Yeah. Yeah. Gloria, great, great point. Um, So there's a couple, there's two things. One is um, understanding the history of the land that you want to grow on. Um, I, I prefer residential growing because commercial 
a it's a little bit harder to purchase and and secondly uh a lot of things that happen in commercial sites uh you may not necessarily want to be growing in um so uh know the history what was happening on the site talk to neighbors get old maps there's a couple of ways to do that um and uh and then um and then get an actual test like you said Gloria so there's um there's a couple there's a couple different tests Keep Growing Detroit helps with uh, gardeners with getting tests, so uh, you could reach out to them. Make sure that the test is testing for lead levels, which is the primary contaminant that we would see. Um, if you're, if you do, um, if you got your heart uh, <laughs> stuck on a commercial property, I would go to the next level, not just lead. I would do uh, a test that is doing all the Michigan heavy metals, um, and those uh, you can get those um there's there's a few different options for where to get those they're a little bit more expensive but it's definitely worth knowing what you're growing in um before you before you get out there for yeah. sure great point gloria yeah also uh we've had a, a couple of requests for your email mm -hmm. and what we will do is we will put that on our website we'll also put it in uh, in the twitter feed so so awesome. people know how to get Get in touch with you. Awesome. Okay, we need to take another quick break. When we come back, we'll continue this conversation about land use and food growing here in the city of Detroit. Also, continue to hear from you on the phones and on social. Still got a number of calls to get to. We'll be right back. More Detroit today. Before we go back to our listeners, I want to talk a little about. The idea of you, who is uh, who have been working in the activist community for food sovereignty for a really long time, joining city government. <laughs> Some people might think that's an odd way to do the work that uh, that that you've been doing. They may think that uh, somehow you won't be able to advocate in the same way. But I'm, I'm sure that's something you thought about before you did this. Mm -hmm. But but I wonder after a month what you see as the power, I guess, and the value of having somebody with your experience working on the inside instead of from the outside. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. And definitely was uh, probably the one of the highest things I was uh, – a little nervous about um, just like how those two worlds met. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that's a great question. I think what I'm learning uh, and, 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 and kind of what helped me make this decision was like, I feel like the relationships that I'm going to be building mm -hmm. uh, on the inside um, are, are going to be in, invaluable. So um, you're right. I can bring, I can bring what I've been working on the last 13, 14 years, uh, all of the great people I've met and learned from and sat with. Um, I can bring all of that inside uh, the mayor's office. Um, I can bring that experience. Um, and you know, when when he was hiring me, he was like, "It's just totally different on the inside." I literally can type someone's email in and I know who to talk to and I can, you know, and I can pull it up. So, um, so yeah, I'm learning a lot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, definitely. I've told all of my friends, if I start acting different or crazy, <laughs> please call me out. I've said that a million times. So, uh, <laughs> yes, we all need that check. Right? <laughs> Again, three, one, three, five, seven, seven, one, oh, one, nine is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Jennifer in Detroit. Jennifer, welcome to the show. 
Oh, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And congratulations, Tepfira. Thank you so um, much. Um, yeah, having actually you specifically on the inside is actually music to the ears of many people in the community. So congratulations. <laughs> thank um, you. I am calling um, to talk about... Um, the kind of low-hanging fruit, not only with urban agriculture, but with composting um, in the city. It's, um, it's definitely a climate solution. Um, it, you know, in and of itself, um, particularly with uh, all of the, um, the urban agriculture around here. And, you know, Mayor Duggan um, uh, talked about being a climate mayor. This is obviously you know, really low-hanging fruit, um, composting, especially keeping it local, um, is not only a climate solution uh, because it sequesters carbon, um, as well as, you know, forests can uh, potentially, um, you know, healthy soils, you know, talking about um, contaminated soils earlier, uh, you know, uh, you know, keeping the, the, you know, the food scraps, the green scraps, you know, local in the ground, um, making them uh, actually work for the climate as opposed to causing, you know, methane in landfill, excuse me, in the landfill. Um, and, uh, and so, and, you know, then, of course, it, healthy soils create healthy, you know, food systems with foods. Uh, you know, it's a food justice um, issue because there's more local organically produced food for you know, the broader community, um, it's a biodiversity solution, um, uh, you know, talking about, you know, justice all the way through, um, you know, people in, you know, some of the communities around here that are creating, you know, green spaces, um, you know, uh, or, you know, agricultural spaces, you know, they're seeing, you know, more birds, they're seeing more, sure. you know, non-humans. So I just uh, wonder if you could speak to, um, composting and particularly, you know, uh, composting with the urban farms, the community farms, the backyards. Yeah. Jennifer, for the time. yeah, Jennifer, great question. Uh, th- and, and thanks for the call. Tepfer, go ahead. Yeah. And what, thanks, Jennifer. And um, what Jennifer's talking about is, you know, just the environmental impacts of, of gardening, right? And um, and thank you for lifting up composting. Um, uh, there are a couple of initiatives that, were started, you know, outside of the city um, that are that are being looked at. Um, one is with uh, Renee Wallace and Food Plus Detroit. They've um, really done a lot of work um, in this space. Uh, the Waste Department um, has um, also applied for a couple of grants to do um, a pilot of like municipal level composting. Um, there are, the potential is, is, is there, uh, the wheel is there. I also, um, lift up, uh, the work of Scott Benson, who's been, um, uh, through the green, the green, uh, task force, been thinking about this issue. In fact, as soon as I came aboard, he sent me an email. He said, we got to talk about composting. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> so, um, Jennifer, I would invite all of your ideas about, how this would actually work in our city uh, right now. Um, the recycling is, um, is, is a little bit of a hurdle, right? We have, we have, we have to have clean, uh, clean compost and there's some education that has to happen around that in order to like actually collect compost. There's some ideas around um, maybe doing it 
uh, in a food, like food hubs, like collecting compost at food hubs. And so I would definitely invite all of your ideas as we're as we're thinking about this. And definitely composting uh, is, is something on my priority sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Great question, Jennifer. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, let's go next to Naeem in Detroit. Naeem, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephen. Hey, T. Hey. hey. Uh, I, I read a paper um, published by Michigan State about seven years ago that said the food system in Detroit is worth about 2 to $3 billion. And I was curious if T just wanted to wax on the potential for <laughs> urban agriculture to kind wow. of be like the auto industry in the 21st century in Detroit and really put people back to work in the city? Hmm. It's a, that's a great question about the potential here because, as we've been talking about, th- th- there is so much land that's not in use right now, and we could give far more of it over to the idea of, of agriculture. But there are people who, who are nervous about that and and I think think that's committing too much to the idea but as uh, as Naeem points out, there's there's also money involved in this, and and an economy that could grow. Uh, could that be the future for for Detroit? Mm-hmm. Um, Naeem, I want to hear your thoughts about it. You wrote a whole paper on <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, Naeem, uh, Stephen Naeem is uh, director of uh, in a, um, Detroit Partnership for Innovation over at MSU. Okay. Their farm is on the west side. Um, he should have said that. When yeah, he called in. <laughs> he's, he's calling in kind of meek. So um, send me your paper. I would love to read it again, maybe. And um, yes, we we do have potential uh, for for economy around this. And there's that stuff that's already um, ha- starting to happen. Um, and if we make it easier for farmers, we making it easier for that economy to 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 increase. Um, I do want to say that. Um, our food system is just generally broken. So yeah. farmers are um, not always their land rich, but also sometimes dollar poor, <laughs> small mm-hmm. farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need to really rethink, okay, um, urban farmers, they deserve retail pricing, all of those things and easier systems. Um, how can we infuse that system so that they are um, able to produce um the high quality food that they are doing mm-hmm. and get that, um, get that top dollar, um, at our markets. And so there's a lot of thinking to be done around the economy of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tepfira Rush and new director of urban agriculture <laughs> for the city of Detroit. It was really great to have you here with us. Uh, um, I, I, again, I'm, uh, st- still just kind of taken aback by the idea that this job exists in the city of Detroit and that and that you're filling it. And so it's, it's, it's really exciting. And, and I'm glad you came and talked with our listeners. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. And podcast editing is by David Lyons. Our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET in Detroit. And you can support the show by leaving a rating or a comment. Thanks for listening.